0: Happy Thursday morning. Welcome back to the podcast, Boss
1: Matt. Hey there.
0: Welcome back, dear listeners. Lots of requests for Dan
1: and Ian Talk Shop. Here we go. Not in the shop, but talking shop.
0: We're going to talk in three parts. First off, we're going to give some business updates and progress about our own projects. Next, we're going to talk about I cannot go anywhere without hearing the word inflation. We're going to talk about the big I-word in the second part of the episode. And at the end of the episode, we are going to geek out on locations, basing yourself in foreign countries, digital nomadism, and our 2022 event schedule. In July, we came on this podcast and said that our goal in 2021 was to grow an eight-figure business.
1: Well, not this year, to be clear.
0: I feel corny even saying it, even in such a friendly environment, like the podcast listenership, where so many of us want to do this kind of thing. Are we holding ourselves to the vision in your view here as we record this at the end of 2021?
1: Yeah, I think we are. Just to be clear about like the idea and the vision, we've made it to seven figures before. Hooray us. <laughs> so why not try and go for eight or above? I think the reason for that is still the same, Dan, the last time that we've done this is freedom. It's just that simple. The number is representative to me and always will be of not necessarily how much money is in your bank account. And we're going to talk about that this episode, inflation, prices, interest rates. More importantly is, is the freedom that the business allows you and that the moolah allows you in terms of location, lifestyle, and travel. Yeah. Money's a tool,
0: right? And one of the most exciting things we were hanging out last night before the recording of this very pod on the catio with the beautiful fire going, talking about all the fun things we're going to do. And it gets more fun when you have more resources. You can get better people involved. You can focus on more interesting projects. And so there's a great deal of freedom that comes with operating inside of a powerful business. Assuming it's based on your vision, you control it and own it, and you have a lot of flexibility therein. Our theme for this goal, growing a larger business than we've ever grown, Is about getting back to the basics. And the first basic we identified was hard work, a schedule, consistency, clear responsibilities, clear focus and thrust. And one of the things we keep talking time and time about again is the right people. And how, you know, when you boil down all the growth we've seen, especially at Dynamite Jobs in the past year, a lot of it's just been about key people and having the risk to get them on board. High quality people that move the needle. And that comes on both sides of the aisle, both with key clients and with key team members.
1: One of the things I was thinking about today with respect to this, Dan, is getting my face a little bit closer to the fire. Meaning I think I, I could be accused the last couple of years of like shielding myself, you know, whether it's like throwing bodies or uh plexiglass in front of me. Like your entourage? Yeah, exactly. Like it never <laughs> never quite let my face get a little too hot next to that fire. Because I think once you get your face a little bit too hot, you realize that you have to come up with some kind of solution for it, whether it's like turn the fire down or understand why it's burning you. Or there's all these different ideas in terms of like, you know, business, why you should be getting your hands dirty. But essentially like for the first couple of years of Dynamite Jobs, and we've talked about this before, but like we didn't really allow ourselves to get dirty. We're just kind of throwing money at the problem to kind of be solved. And the problem with that is that we weren't actually exposed to the real problems. And so I think one of the cool things that's happened over the last year, and you're just talking about getting back to basics and hard work, is like putting yourself in a position to feel that fire, to be involved in that work, and then understand what's really important. I would attribute a lot of our success, Dan, this last year. And by the way, we grew like 5,000%. And that's possible because we started at basically zero. Plus, we pad our stats. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would attribute a lot of that success to just rolling up our sleeves and getting dirty. We throw money at problems all the time. Like, that's what money is for, right? And
0: so, you're right to say, like, choosing the right places to automate and to shield yourself is the tricky bit. I think I could speak for both of us in this case is sometimes you want to be automated out of the stuff that's painful and challenging. But that's where potentially the profit is. So you just want to make sure you don't make that mistake of like, yeah, automate yourself out of your accounting, but maybe not of where your customer development or product development or key marketing risks, all these kind of like growth areas, you know, and they don't always necessarily present themselves that way. Sometimes they can present themselves as just a pain in the butt. And so just, you know, dig into those things in your business and ask yourself if there's real opportunities for you to work hard and dig into those things. What we've seen is a lot of growth where there's a little bit of mental resistance there to really, really digging in.
1: Back to the question, Dan, do you think we can build an eight-figure business? Let me answer for you. Yes, I definitely (laughs) think that we can. Our goal next year is to 4x our current business, which I think is going to be a challenge. Yeah. I don't think we have like a very clear path forward, although I think we have tons of great opportunities. I think it's possible. I think it's a bit of a stretch, but I think that we're going for it.
0: We're going to pull together our numbers by the end of the year, but I, I think it's safe to say that if we forexed our revenue next year, we'd be well on our way to the goal. Yep. I think just one of the other themes that's like very basic, Ian, is like just continuing to put new solutions in front of our customers and our contacts and continuing just to iterate as fast as possible and not be so stuck on fixing what already exists, but rather just like retooling, refactoring, relaunching. We're having the success by continuing to put new ideas and products in front of folks.
1: Yeah, I think this is the way that we've like grown our companies in the past too, Dan. And I think that there's a bunch of different approaches, but essentially it's like through product development and like having different and multiple products, basically re-engineering solutions for people, some of which existed before. I mean, most of the things that we're doing already existed before. Like our worst ideas are always like our ideas, like the ones that we come up with for the first time, like our ingenious cat furniture, you know, design. It was like total flop, but like when we ripped off the uh, litter hider, but we made it better, like boom, we sold a bunch of them. You know, continuing to just like iterate and like see opportunities in the market. And it's not to say like go rip somebody off, but it's like take the best of what's already happening and like put your rip pivot jam on it. And we have like so many of these inside
0: of DJ right now. And dynamite jobs that it would become completely self obsessed to talk about all of them. But I challenge you to bring up one that you're excited about.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that's emerging over there that's pretty interesting is like how fast candidates are signing up to uh, essentially be the first to know about jobs and to try and basically get a remote job. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that are having a hard time hiring remotely because essentially this is a global problem now. Everybody's remote. The good news is that like tons and tons and tons of candidates are also looking for these opportunities. And sure, like a lot of them aren't qualified yet because they haven't done remote work. But a lot of them will be pretty soon. So I think it's like, you know, it's a two sided marketplace. There's always going to be some catch up on either side. But I'm like very hopeful just based on the like sheer numbers of people that are signing up over at DJ, the workforce is like shifting it's pretty cool. And it's happening like in every country. I mean, just like going down the list, like we had like over 300 people sign up today. And like going down that list and like seeing where everybody's like located and what their different skill sets are. And just to be clear, these aren't newsletter subscribers. These are folks that
0: are filling out profiles on our system.
1: Correct. That's like one side of the business, obviously. There's multiple sides to it. But I'm excited about the amount of candidate interest in our platform. I was
0: listening to one of my favorite podcasts of all time the other day startups for the rest of us ian and the host rob walling who's a mentor a friend all around wonderful guy said that you shouldn't probably bootstrap a two-sided marketplace and uh good advice (laughs) and right now we're talking about all these like costly features and all these what is your take on that sort of advice
1: well, it's a little too late for us. With some yeah. cost? <laughs> I think I heard Rob say that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I would say that we're not the normal bootstrappers per se, just based on how much money and effort we've put into this. The site's been around for four years and, you know, we were cash flowing it for a while. A year or two ago, like everybody was starting job boards. Like, don't do that. Like multiple a week. Yeah.
0: You know how I felt at the time? I was, I was scared at the time. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Another competitor,
1: but everybody pretty much understood what we understood. Essentially, was like the talent pool and like the company pool had like changed. You know, like there was something fundamentally different about like these new sites versus like the old guard. You know, like Monster and LinkedIn. So I think everybody like rushed to do what we did, which is like try, yeah, build a WordPress plugin, take a stab. But but you know, I think
0: one of the reasons I bring up Rob's advice is I think you know everybody. Sort of simultaneously realized what Rob mentioned, which is man, these things are incredibly expensive to build. And someday we're going to have to come on here and like talk about the economics of it all. But it's incredibly porous, incredibly expensive in terms of like how much money you put out into the world in order to bring in how much direct revenue. And that's part of the reason why we started doing consulting and services just to even amp up the cash flow even more. Because if we were to I guess back engineer how much we would need to raise to do this if we didn't personally fund it or fund it by services. We're looking in the millions and millions of dollars. So definitely it would be like a traditional startup funding model.
1: Yeah. And also like if we're being completely honest, Dan, I don't know who would have like given us the money. You know, we were like two guys, non developers that like didn't have experience like growing this type of business. Yeah. So Kind of had it's to. Self-fund. Arguable that we still don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> had to self fund it, man. Nobody was going to give us some money. We had to ask for it from ourselves. All right, so are we still on the tracks? We're
0: growing eight figure business. The boss man says yes, but keep in mind he's got to. So stay tuned <laughs> to see if we can achieve a more modest. What would it be like to quadruple? Is that four hundred percent? Yes. So we'd go from five thousand to four hundred percent growth. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible numbers.
1: It'd be a step down, but again. When you're starting from zero, unless you're a a high-growth startup that is funded, it's not always possible.
0: Today's show is sponsored by AppSumo, the number one digital marketplace for entrepreneurs. That's right. They're a marketplace and a great way to get your name in front of 1 million plus entrepreneurs, founders, affiliate marketers, and small businesses. You can sell your software, ebook, PDF template library, online course, WordPress plugin, or even event tickets. You get the idea, anything for entrepreneurs, you can find it on AppSumo. The average digital product on AppSumo earns between $700,000 and $5,000 a month, depending on the type of product. What an easy, no-brainer, extra revenue stream for you and your business. I've listed my book before the exit on AppSumo, and I know many listeners of this show are already getting results by using this amazing marketplace so check them out. Head on over to AppSumo.com slash sell. That's what we're doing around here. And thanks to AppSumo for sponsoring the show. All right, and I thought before we jumped to talking about locations and travel that we just say a word about inflation because I can't really do anything nowadays without hearing about what we're all seeing. All-time highs everywhere, homes, equities, super low interest rates you're seeing it at the grocery store, in your cost of a frozen margarita, it's everywhere. And I was wondering, you know, I spent a lot of time reading about this stuff, listening to really technical analysis, everything from friends to wherever I can get my hands on this stuff, and I thought I might just try to distill some basics for how those running lifestyle entrepreneurs might interpret some of this. Four ideas here, just to keep it simple. Okay, so the first one is, optimizing your business for growth and asking yourself, you know, if you're running a cash flow business and it's not a growth business, kind of got two options, right? To push it to a polarity. One is to optimize for profit and then to put that money into these investment vehicles that are maybe outperforming businesses or to really pivot your business and to focus on growth customers, growth industries. Because what we're seeing is things really take off. And I think there's opportunity for everyone with the entrepreneurial skill set, with the asset that you own, to focus on growth-oriented customers and business models. I mean, that's another fancy way of saying like your own business is the biggest opportunity. So every other inflation hedge ought to be simple and clear your mind and keep you focused on the biggest opportunity at hand, which has always been the biggest wealth-generating opportunity, which is to grow a powerful asset.
1: Which is the whole reason we started this show is it because of something that we found out a while ago, which is like the number one way to change your life is to start a small business. Your economic life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was gonna say there's a lot of ways <laughs> to change your life for better or worse. It's the most reliable way to join the wealth class.
0: In other words, like all this talk of like inflation and investing and hedges and all this popular stuff, it doesn't apply to you if you're not wealthy. And the way to get wealthy <laughs> is to grow a small business. And so then everything I'm gonna say after that follows from that fundamental principle which is don't screw around too much with these other financial things and focus on the main thing. But if you're gonna screw around, I recommend a $15 a month subscription to audible.com. I've just been reading a lot lately Ian and I realize it really affects my motivation, my ability to connect ideas, my excitement coming to the desk in the morning cuz I want to Apply and explore the inspiration I'm seeing in some of the smartest people out there and apply it into the business. You know what blows me away about the correlation between reading success and, and business is how much successful entrepreneurs read. It's remarkable the correlation. I'm always a little bit shocked. You know, you bump into somebody who runs a really successful business and maybe they don't come across as the bookish type. For whatever reason, any kind of prejudice you have about a person, they just don't seem like a nerd who's sitting around in the campus library. And then you bring up the topic of books, or you like get a peek at their desk, and you realize that this person is plowing through information. They're subscribed to weird newsletters from people who write crazy ideas about futures markets or whatever. Like They are plowing through information and trying to synthesize ideas because their career depends on it. Hey, in inflationary times, it's time to learn about our history, time to learn about what our future might look like. And if you can be in the first quarter, even of people to react to these shifts and be ready for them, it can make all the difference in your career and business.
1: I'm glad that you brought up like history because as we go through this like inflationary period, like I was. Kind of curious as to like when it started and where it started and like how long it's been going on. So like, is this a temporary problem? Is this a long term problem? And of course, one of the things that I came upon when I was <laughs> thinking about this was the price of a Porsche 911. <laughs> when in the last seven decades has the Porsche been more or less expensive? Turns out, 1967, adjusted for inflation, was the cheapest that you could buy a 911. The most expensive time to buy a 911 was in 1991. And it actually just basically goes down from there to 2022. So historically speaking, Porsches right now are on sale. And I think that's one of the interesting things about like this inflationary period is like, you have to ask yourself, and I don't know the answer to this, but like what's actually on sale right now? Because in 2007, 2008, we were just getting started, Dan. I remember this feeling of like, oh my gosh, if we just had a little money, we could buy all these assets. Like this is so great. Like lowest price for this and that ever. But we didn't have any money. And then now got a little bit of monies. But looking at like what's for sale and what's not for sale, it, it all feels expensive. But what yeah. if it's really cheap? So tune in next week for
0: ten ways to rationalize your next Porsche purchase.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you're right, Ian. Like everyone from like institutions down to. Us, the lifestyle entrepreneur, we are being forced out on the edges to find places to put this money. And I think we're seeing that a lot with developers and staff and high level people are taking risks on their own personal asset with hiring. We see that a lot through DJ people stepping up for the first time and saying, you know what? I want a CTO. I'm going to pay for it because I believe I can take that money that we're making and flip it into asset by bringing a technical person involved, for example. You're seeing institutions having to take on more risk and leverage just to basically outpace inflation. maybe I'm caught up in the hype just a little bit in the sense that like it just feels like a time to just go for it because everybody's kind of taking risks right now, <laughs> and I guess when I say go for it, I don't mean with like leverage and real financial risk. I just mean in like if you have a cash reserve sitting around, one of the things I've really noticed, and we'll get to this just in a bit, but listeners to the show, I think sometimes over optimized for personal income they're not actually reinvesting the appropriate amount into their business i mean if your business is too profitable that can actually be a problem because you know there's a difference between profitable and real dollars yeah you're running at 50% profit but you're making a quarter million a year where if you took you know an extra 100,000 and reinvested it in the business in 5 years time so, something to consider there as well. I think just in turning that cash into your own personal asset. A couple other things I wanted to bring up more as a question, not an assertion, but with so many US dollars floating around, I wonder if now might be a great time to lock in a low cost nomadic situation. Like, might now be a great time to lock in a year long lease in Mexico using all the dollars and to carve out a lifestyle for yourself that creates low risk low burn and that you can build assets throughout the next year travel sucks right now it's kind of like traveling in 1985 it's like do you have your shots do you have the check-ins do you have this can you have to call this person before you go there you know it's like eh, but nomading where you go somewhere for six months and you get locked in at a really cheap rate and you got a good lifestyle set up, where your dollars are really efficient and things aren't so expensive might be an all-time opportunity for that. And that might be the type of risk. When I say risk, that's what I'm talking about. Like, hey, let's do something fun in this crazy environment. You know, Speaking of history, Ian, I've been using that Kindle, that Audible membership. I have pretty much completely turned into the Kool-Aid man on cryptocurrency. So Bitcoin would be an interesting thing to do if you find yourself within an overflow of USDs, I've noticed that a lot of the smartest individuals in our community feel really confident by putting a huge percentage of their net worth into crypto and other digital assets. However, you feel about, you know, these particular cryptocurrencies. I think one of the reasons we're going to speak a great deal about this issue on the show in the next five years is that just like manufacturing in China, just like Globalizing your workforce and remote first organizations, just like marketing your stuff on digital channels and not physical ones. This idea of non sovereign digital currencies is something that every internet business will have to contend with. No one's getting out of this one alive. It's not just some cool idea, it's not just some speculative asset. It's the next generation of technologies that's going to. Revolutionize our businesses. And so I think getting involved in any way you can right now is a great thing to do, not just from a financial perspective, that's not financial advice, but also just for an opportunity to learn about these things that will ultimately affect our businesses greatly.
1: Two things that uh, struck me this week about that, Dan, is uh, somebody put up a, a survey on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but it, it said, like, if you had 100K in each one of these, like it was uh, BTC, ETH, USD, and then it was something else. Which one would you feel comfortable holding for five years? It's like five or 10 years. I think it was like one of these moments that like really struck me because you had to make a decision, like which one do you actually think is going to be worth more in five to 10 years? And I think it was like one of the first times that I truly in my heart believed that like USD wasn't the answer to that question. Maybe like a couple of years ago, like I would have been like, oh man, like, crypto stuff, it's like, uh, so volatile, it like could go up, it could go down. But like, I know the dollar's always going to go up. Well, starting to feel a little bit different about that now. Certainly. And I think a lot of other people are too. The other thing that I think is uh, important to mention about like crypto and like web three, you're saying like, there's it's going to be like unavoidable, you're going to have to deal with it. I think one of the ways that I've been framing this up to myself too, and I don't know nearly as much as I probably should about this. But it's just about efficiency like the whole reason like we're all in this internet game is because like we've figured out basically more efficient ways to make a dollar or to make a BTC and I think like that's the promise too of like web3 and crypto is like it's about efficiency. Mark Cuban the other day somebody tweeted to him like you know show me like an example of like how this crypto thing is gonna work out and like in like three sentences he laid out like how it was easier to get a loan against his crypto than it was like his USD. And the reason for that is essentially just efficiency.
0: Go down to your local bank. I was just down at mine. And shake the hands of the person sitting behind the frosted glass. And talk to them about what kind of information and data they want in order to figure out whether you're going to pay back this loan and what third party is going to ratify it, and how many weeks it's going to take, and when the promotion's coming up. And all this stuff. And meanwhile, in the cryptoverse, you just go put your stuff up as collateral, take your money and go. If you don't pay it back, they don't give you your collateral back. That's how loans are supposed to work. So yeah, it represents in some ways, a true or more efficient version of what we've been trying to do all along.
1: I'm literally right now looking at a check that I'm holding in my hand. I'm showing it to you right now. <laughs> this is the most efficient way for me to get money into my bank account is to write myself a check to avoid the $30 <laughs> wire transfer fee. So I'll scan this in my app and get my money that way.
0: I'll just say this, maybe for posterity or weird sake, and also as like, a historical record for myself and just to kind of because what we're describing here is a shift that I think we're just watching happen around us for the past half a decade but if you told me right now Ian that you know due to circumstances beyond our control I needed to move 100% of my net worth into bitcoin I wouldn't lose any sleep it just wouldn't it wouldn't worry me at all and I know it's going to go down I know it might go up It's not even really about that at this point. It's more about that I guess I've owned it for long enough and worked with it long enough and read about it, that and related technologies that I sort of feel like it's sound money and I just kind of trust it. I believe in it. Sometimes these conversations can get religious in nature or nasty because it can boil down to beliefs and people generate beliefs for all sorts of strange reasons. Like Why didn't I believe this two years ago? Why do I believe it now? I don't fully understand it, but I figured I'd just mention it because it is a very strange thing to say. I just want to give a big thanks to all of you who listened to ads like this and went on over to dynamitejobs.com to see what we've got going on over there. Because of that, we've helped place hundreds of qualified remote professionals in your companies last year. And for this holiday season many of you are gearing up your operation for continued growth in 2022. And to help you do it, we've got three exciting options for you to explore. The first is our entirely new hiring platform with a job post dashboard that allows you to repost and promote anytime. We've got a growing list of features there, including intelligent promotion options to help you get the maximum amount of applications. We've also got our done-for-you service. If you're sick of sorting, assessing... And interviewing, you can hire our senior recruiting staff to do the heavy lifting on your behalf. They are experienced at identifying trajectory, alignment, salary fit, and much more. And the best part is, it's a flat fee. If you're hiring multiple times in 2022, we're offering bundles with steep discounts. Head on over to DynamiteJobs.com and book a call to hear about that. And finally, we offer contract recruiting. That's right, a zero-risk hiring option. If you don't really know about the long-term fit. Or if you're looking for a partner to help take care of the legalities of hiring contractors, we can do that for a monthly fee for the contractors that you bring on board. So let's grow together. If you're looking to grow your remote business, book a call with our team and find out today how Dynamite Jobs can help. You can find out about this and much more over at dynamitejobs.com All remote recruiting. All right, Ian, some lighter fare, a really cool trending topic inside the Dynamite Circle this week is the following. If for the rest of your life, you could only spend time in three different countries, which would you choose? So there's a lot of interesting answers to this. And you can kind of formulate the question in the way that makes sense to you because you could think about factors like weather, earnings, fun, family, health, or even like strategic political hedges, things like security. There's so many different ways you could think about this question. Maybe we'll talk about what our personal ones are, and then we could you know, point out some famous ones. But I thought it'd be just a fun way to end the episode, talk about this and, and what our event schedule is going to look like.
1: You want to start us off? Sure. Three countries. I'll start with the first, USA. Best national anthem, right? Good national anthem. At this point, I spend the majority of my year here, especially during COVID. And then a couple of the months out of the year, not here. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. I think the strongest so honestly, for me, Dan, at this point is like culture. I understand like kind of where I fit into this culture. I grew up in this culture. I understand it very well. I know how to like navigate it. For me, it's like very comfortable. It's very comforting. And I know the ins and outs of it. So, you know, I spend the majority of my year here. It's also probably like one of the most aggressive places in terms of business. There's so many people here that are starting, running, operating small businesses that that feels good, too. It feels like you're, you're hanging out with your brothers and sisters in battle, especially in Austin. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out that by
0: far the most popular post answers in the forum were your home country. So it's worth asking yourself you know, what your relationship is to the home country and you know, how you want to maintain those relationships. My first country for that reason is, is America as well. While I was on the road for so many years living abroad, there was always a part of me that knew, you know, I needed to grow at least greater roots, if not move back to the United States eventually for a variety of reasons, mostly family and relationships and things like that. Maybe I'll compare, you know, my second country with my first country. So my first country is America, right? And the reasons people come up with, the one that I thought was really interesting is if you choose to get that permanent residency in America, because we're constrained to three countries here, you have like a lot of different landscapes and vibes all within one country. And you could even do this exercise within the United States. Like, Imagine if you spent three months a year in Denver, Colorado in the mountains, and then three months a year in LA hanging out with creative types, and then three months of the year down in Miami learning about Bitcoin enthusiasm or whatever it is. There's all different kinds of vibes you can get in the US. So I think that's really cool. I think one of the tough parts about living in your home country, something often called the Joneses or select the last name that's popular in your country, often keeping up with them, being associated with them, that's not very specific to your aims and goals can often be distracting and resource draining. I think this is one of the biggest arguments to become a digital nomad or to go baseline or spend a mini retirement in a foreign country is to clear up space and time to define a new you and enter back into that home country, you know, with some thrust. I'll say this. I think if that you're a bootstrapping entrepreneur, one of the big challenges of living in a country like America is both paying yourself well enough to live a sustainable, robust lifestyle and to fulfill your responsibilities to those around you because again, you got family, you got friends, you got all these people kind of you're in a responsibility network that costs money. And then also you got to make sure you're max invested in your business so that one day you can change your financial station in life, which is why we're doing this. So I think there's always an opportunity there to mix in a lower cost living experience so that you can get ahead and maybe perhaps re-enter back into your home country, assuming you grew up in a high cost country.
1: I just want to talk about how ridiculous this conversation is real quick here. Like we're deciding which countries I know. that we, we could potentially <laughs> live in. How amazing. Pretty interesting time that we're living in here. My second country is sort
0: of a polarized option to the first, which is Thailand. Many listeners will know I do own the Thai elite visa, which grants me five years of unfettered access to the kingdom. It's currently dust covered because I'm here in Austin, Texas. But someday I'll dust the thing off and go back to Thailand. Definitely in October this year for DCBKK. But something about Thailand just is an amazing platform to be sort of the opposite of what you described, sort of disengaged in your home culture. And If what you want your culture to be is your business, your fitness, your work, going to a place like Thailand where the purchasing performance of your USDs or your BTCs are so high that you can have your laundry, maid service, everything taken care of you, wonderful food, wonderful, healthy situation, and just put 100% of that focus in the business And also just to have a really cool experience where you are sort of disassociated out there exploring a completely different culture. Love being in Thailand. Love spending time there. So Thailand would be my number two choice.
1: We're probably going to agree on number three. I'm just predicting right now. (laughs) It's not that I disagree with you on number two, but I think I would actually choose Mexico for number two. It's probably one of the countries that I've been to the most outside of some of these other countries and kind of has like what America has going on, which is like everything. You have the mountains, you have the beaches, you also have Mexico City, which is cool. I just went there for the first time. And like it's it's shockingly similar, I think, to Bangkok in that it's like this cool mix of like Europe and Asia. I found that to be really cool about it. Previously I'd kind of only been to the mountains and to the beaches. But I think like as being American and like our brother nation being Mexico, like there's a lot of similarities between like what we're up to and like the things that we're into. You know, Mexico is like probably not as foreign, obviously, to Americans as Thailand, but it's like foreign enough to like feel like you're somewhere else. I also feel like I kind of have an identity there too, which is interesting. And I think like my identity disappears a little bit more in Thailand. Yeah, I think the bottom line is Mexico
0: and Thailand are really delivering on that polarized promise of a place where you can like reinvent yourself very affordably and enjoy building a new identity, which is exploring this amazing, both amazing cultures with tons of depth. So you're getting all that. You're getting the release from social and financial responsibilities for a short period of time. You're getting all that, all the adventure, the wonderful food. So they're both like these very similar options. I think you might even have to give a little hat tippy tip to Mexico because the thing about Thailand is you're really going to be sealed off from client relationships in North America. And you have to be very realistic about what that's going to mean for your career and how you're going to adjust for it. So you can adjust for it in a few different ways. The first is building relationships on the ground. We had a show just a few weeks ago with Bunty Sumroy where he talked about building an in-depth relationship where he went to work for someone that was working in Thailand. So that's an all-new opportunity now where now there's meaningful businesses moving back to Thailand. I get text messages every day, Ian, right now. Everybody's kind of heading back. There's people to network with there, but you got to do it on the ground. The other bit is a lot of businesses, you know you're better off if you don't get on the phone with clients. If what you're doing is you're building something like an audience. So you have to ask yourself, you know, might it be an advantage to be sealed off from the telephone because sometimes it can be a crutch. You have to figure it out. Typically businesses are going to be healthier if you're able to sustain a lots of time zone overlap.
1: Yeah, and until like very recently, you know with the Thai elite visa and like Thailand's coming out with some other cool products, I hear for foreigners to kind of stay there longer. But Mexico has always been a great option, like in terms of being able to stay there as an American for uh, long periods of time.
0: All right. So our final option, I think we agree on might even be a story arc on the show in the very near future, but we just cannot wait to get back to Spain and spend our summers there. Of course, the Austin summers are barely bearable. And that diversification of being able to go somewhere a little bit more low key, somewhere more lifestyle oriented, more affordable, more beautiful and with tons of things to do around the things we enjoy doing. So,
1: yeah, I was going to say I hope you mentioned lifestyle oriented because that is <laughs> certainly one <laughs> of number 3 is Spain for me. If it's time for me to check out, if it's time for me to retire, if it's time for me to um be concerned about how many steps away from the beach I live, then I will definitely be going to Barcelona. I do think that there's,
0: and this might be because I'm boxed out because I'm an annoying American, but there is a mindset in Europe that feels a little bit more set around a lot of social ideas, business ideas, commerce ideas. That's what's great about Europe, you know? But it might not be always the best place to go out and grow something new, particularly if you, you know, I don't know. That's just been kind of my thing. So that's why, you know, for me, that would be definitely that third. Sort of low-key leisure, retire, absolutely love the vibe in Spain.
1: Gosh, I can't wait to get back.
0: I know so much to discuss here. Right now, I mean, people are talking about the, the Turkish lira going down. You know, what are the exchange rates looking like? There is really going to be this sort of global shakeup this year where cities now are, you know, what Miami has been doing the past couple of years, even now with offering Bitcoin incentives to citizens. I mean, there's this cool idea, this vision we had on this podcast for a decade of countries and cities competing for people like listeners of this show to come be there. That race is really only beginning. Like it was like in theory before, like we had grafted this idea onto the world. But now it's actually happening. James Clark was on the show just a few months ago to say, look at all these new policies these countries are launching that are called digital nomad visas. You want to come nomad for six months? You want to take a break from your expensive country? Come to Turkey. Come to Thailand. It's going to be a really, really interesting decade and just more richness around this topic of nomading.
1: Oh, yeah. And by the way, you can put your money in this global currency. It's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. So more on that in the show in 2022, for sure. Speaking of 2022, uh, there has been a lot of questions about our event schedule. Hopefully, it reflects some of this new world order. I just want to list off some things. We're having a holiday party here in Austin, Texas. Austin was a big winner in 2020 and 21 in terms of increasing its influence in the entrepreneurial community globally, especially in America, though. I'd say so. You know, yeah, the Elon Musk is moving to Austin. You know, uh, Intel's chip factory is moving to Austin. There is no longer debate as to what the third tech city is in America, the most important tech economy, at least for the time being. It is Austin, Texas, and it's a pretty cool spot to be located. We also have events lined up in Playa del Carmen. I think Mexico was a huge winner during the pandemic in terms of the location-independent crowd. In June, we'll have one in Lisbon. Another huge winner. Lisbon is on the tip of everyone's tongues. Me and you haven't been there. It's an enormous blight on our travel resume. It totally is. It will be addressed in June 2022. We have an event in May in New York City which I'm really excited about and a ski trip in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado in March. We'll be rounding out our year with hopefully a handful of Asian events primarily DC BKK in October. There's also a bunch of other events there. So if you're interested in all this stuff, you got to sign up for our newsletter, our mailing list and you know, we send out information about this stuff occasionally. If you run an established location independent business and you want to join us all at these events, they're all posted for DC members inside the private forum.
1: This is really exciting because essentially events have been off the table for two years, you know? So this is like uh the first time that we basically announced our event schedule for this year. And I think a lot of people are like looking forward to getting back to it, you know? I think it's gonna take a couple years, honestly, before people are like traveling at the same level that they were before, but I think it's gonna be, you know, pop off to this city once, pop off to that city twice kind of thing. You know, we're putting out this schedule into
0: the forum this week, and then members will step up and, and help us to collaborate on creating more events that hit more. So when we say Lisbon in June, it just rolls off the tip of your tongue that there's going to be something else in Europe in July. We're just not exactly sure what that's going to be yet. So I know it may be a little weird to talk about this, but it's been two years. This stuff's been off the table, like you said. So it used to be we were having 14 events a year. So we're just sort of chugging back up to speed here excited to see how it all goes down. Like you said, I, I do think, you know, everybody kind of traveled there on Instagram for a while, but like, I think overall travel <laughs> numbers like aren't so hot, but in this community, I think people are the first movers. Like they are definitely traveling and visually right now. Like there's a bunch of people with these earbuds in their ears on flights to Singapore, to Bangkok right now, just sort of getting out into the world, exploring these wonderful destinations.
1: And if you're just checking us out for the first time, we've been running these events for over 10 years now. We have a forum. It's called the Dynamite Circle. That's where, that's where our members can connect online. But the real deal, Dan, the real business gets done in person. And that's the reason why we hold these events throughout the year is so our members can meet each other. They can get deals done, shake hands, sometimes even become partners and we're going to
0: raise our price for the first time in like five years plus
1: <laughs> We got <it. laughs> inflation baby
0: if you're curious about the dc and you've been like thinking about why do these guys say dc all the time or whatever you can just email me dan at com and like let me know your questions and i'll i'll get back to you that's it for this week thanks for joining me boss man we'll be back next thursday morning eastern time see you then